Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blind Tag Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Nashheim. Today is going to be a great episode. It is part two, or in the Hot Shots world, part G. First and foremost, if you've never seen Hot Shots or Hot Shots Part G, it's literally Charlie Sheen winning at making fun of himself. You need to watch that movie, but also don't watch it with a serious lens. You need to enjoy comedy. Otherwise, within the first five minutes, you'll be like, oh, no, this is this is a bad movie. Like, like, why are they making fun of this? Why? Yeah, that was uh, my horrible um, uh, impression. See, that's why I'm doing this and not stand-up comedy. Although, I think if I did stand-up comedy, I could keep the produce industry alive. Yeah, they would, they would grow all the tomatoes to throw at me. Anyway. Alright, I'm off topic, but I don't care. It's my show. Uh, Bennett and Matt come back. We continue our conversation as we gear up for WrestleMania 37. The first time in over a year that live members of the WWE Universe. Why did they call them that? Really? They're their fans. They'll have fans in the stands. And probably the last time before, I'm going to say SummerSlam, the way it's looking, they're probably going to wait until post-SummerSlam to do, like, arena tours, but I don't have any knowledge of that, that is just my prediction, and I think, like I said, it's going to be a good show, um, I hope it's a good show, I hope you guys enjoy it, and with that being said, oh, And at the end of the show, we will briefly talk about the final four. Yes, the final four is coming up this weekend. Oh, man. It is going to be good. With that being said, let's take a quick pause. And when we come back, I'll wake Matt and Bennett up from their Zoom sleep. And we will continue our professional wrestling discussion. Before we get back to the podcast, I want to let everyone know about my intro. That is Sax Rock and Roll by Kevin McLeod. The song and other songs that are royalty-free are being able to be found on IncomTech.com. So, favorite wrestler? Hmm. That's a see. That's a, that's a broad question. There, you mean of all time? Okay. Currently. So, um, let's let's put it this way: If you had to pick a Survivor Series team that had five wrestlers on it, five wrestlers. Okay. It can be a uh, if you you can pick a tag team on it if you want to, but. If you could pick five people on an Ultimate Survivor Series team, then uh, it will start with you. Who would you pick and why? I feel like um, like like this is just like a, a must-have um, because he affected my childhood so much. Undertaker, obviously. 
um, just because of who, you know, um, yeah, especially recently, you know, all the stuff's come out on him. It's like, obviously, he's like one of the greatest human beings to ever wrestle, um, to do to do the sport. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so he'd be number one. Um, number two, somebody who is in the intro, Dolph Ziggler, to the uh, Sports Uncaged the new intro to Sports Uncaged. Dolph Ziggler is probably my favorite active wrestler right now because he's such a good heel. He's such a good complainer. He can complain all day. He can be as cocky as he wants to be, and I'll still be there for him. All right. Um, I love Dolph, man. Oh, man. Such a good talent. I mean, he was my favorite wrestler back when I just started getting into it. So he would definitely be on there. Um, three, it's going to surprise people. Uh, he's somebody who I think is in AEW now uh, with Jericho. Uh, he's not Swagger anymore. Uh, he used to be, you know, Jack Swagger when he was Jack Swagger, even now. He's somebody who I liked a lot just because I wish they were doing more with his character. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted him to be something other than just, like, um, Big E. Because that's who he reminds me of. He's, like, not, like, huge where he's, like, the big show, but he's not small. He's, like, a, a big power guy. Right. Uh, and he's somebody I just wish they did a lot more with his character. So if I had a choice, he'd definitely be on there. So that's three. Um, uh, he had a lot of good stuff. But I, I was enjoyed when he came out with Zeb Coulter. And he, hand over your heart, we, the people. Now that made me feel patriotic. That made me feel good. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Andre. Um, because of all the rest, you know, he's the guy that got me into it. Um, you know larger than life human being uh huge a little bit of a diva but i mean in real you know not in wrestling terms but in real life he was just a diva all around so but he's still such a wonderful like a wonderful guy backstage so definitely him um and then oh who's my fifth you know who is that this is that fifth slot that always gets people it's like the it's like the do I really like this guy or am I just saying it to put him in? Because I could definitely say Ryback because he's just funny because of what he's doing now. He's doing food reviews on YouTube, <laughs> completely out of WWE. He's doing food reviews, um, and he still has those messed up teeth, and so uh, yeah. it's hilarious. But I'm I'm not gonna put him because he's pretty much um, he was a one trick pony anyway. Um, huh. Hopefully he's Patreon. not listening to this right now. HBK, HBK, yeah, he's gonna punch a thousand percent. Okay, because um, of just uh, how much fun he was to watch, um, and not with Triple H either. It was when he was in his solo career, uh, even when he was teamed up with Triple H when he was doing singles matches versus Ric Flair versus The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just he fit every mold that you needed him to fit with his character. He never had to change his character. He stayed the same person his entire career. Uh, he got a little bit more cocky, you know, throughout it. You know, at the beginning it was a little, you know, um, more reserved. But as he skyrocketed, uh, he became a little bit more cocky, and that was needed. And so, uh, I feel like, you know, as a leader, he's probably, you know, below the Undertaker, but he's still like really good, a great veteran. Uh, sort of reminds me of Ziggler, but Ziggler's a little bit more athletic, right. I would say. Okay. Well, he's younger than what. Well, yeah, but even in like Shawn Michaels' prime, he wasn't like, you know, he would jump off the top rope, but his build wasn't like, you know, he wasn't running around a ring like 24-7. I, 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 think, 
I think that was more if uh, dependent on his opponent. Like if it was someone that he could really do that with, he would. He only brought it out when it was necessary. So yeah. that that's a good team. That's very good. That's You're like, and the only way you'd eliminate Andre is like getting him disqualified. Basically. That's the only. That's the only way you get eliminated. Yeah. That dude's unstoppable. Or, or count it out. That's it. Or count yeah. it out. Or, or put a snake in the ring. That works. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You want to hire? You want to hire Jake Roberts for a little bit? I mean, take take him in for a month, like eight hundred. He needs to work. Lord help. Oh, he he can <laughs> still. Jake Roberts can still cut a promo even today. And and, oh, and I'd, I'd have, oh sorry, you finish up. I was uh, gonna say I would have. One yeah. Okay. So I, I'm glad I, I see him in a better light because I I watched Beyond the Mat and I saw him in his you know, on video, what his darkness was and his vices and to see him like better over the last five years has been a, a miracle. So go ahead. What you were going to say? Okay. So my only, if I had to choose like a sixth member who's in the back, it'd be uh, uh, Mick Foley. Oh, That's all I was gonna say. Um, Mick Foley. Mick. Which, of, uh, which gimmick would he be? I personally like Mankind a little bit better than the other two, but it's really his preference because he was like amazing in all three. Do you, um, and, and, and as himself, you know, as Mick Foley. Honestly, um, I, I can see him. The, the, the older version, not the, not the current one that right. we have now where he's sort of like crippled. Yeah. I, I, I can see him getting eliminated and come back out as one of the other characters. So I'll be like, yeah, I've been here the whole time. I think he might do that. Yeah. What are they going to do to stop him? No. So, all right. So, Bennett has given us his five plus his alternate. So, what you got, Matt? All right. Yeah. Uh, before I go into it, I will say um, I went to one of Mick Foley's comedy shows. He was doing a little tour back in January um, before COVID-19 hit. And I went to his one of the comedy shows, and I had a little conversation with him. Really nice guy. Really cool. Um he had his whole story. Um, uh, he told his story in a joke in jokes um, for the main show, and then he had a Q and A, um, so they could ask him questions from anything um, about his career, like including when the last time he was on TV, which is I think when Bray Wyatt attacked him last yeah. year. Um, yeah, so stuff like that. And my dad and I went to that show. We met him, took out a picture with him. At the end, it was really cool. Um, actually, I think he, I have a signed picture somewhere. Yeah. So they're handing out these signed pictures. Talking about Kyrie Irving, he breezed over the, the whole Mick Foley part. Yeah, he did. Nah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't for like, it wasn't for like the whole night is the thing. Okay. I got, I got, yeah, that's why Kyrie was like a whole night. Yeah. Mick, this is, so he autographed this picture for everybody and got a picture. So uh, let, let me describe the picture for our listeners. So it's basically the three faces of Foley. He's in his Dude Love, Mankind, and Cactus Jack gimmicks. And uh, didn't he sign a Dude Love, or did he sign? A he Mick signed Foley? it just as Mick Foley. Okay. Yeah, he couldn't because you know he wasn't wearing the tie dye. Oh. But Survivor Series team, um, I'll tell you what, you you need to have a few different things when it comes to a dream Survivor Series team. Mm. You need some brains, you need some brawn, and you're gonna need some heart. And then that doesn't just apply to one person. You got five people, so you gotta spread that all over. So let me start off with my captain, my favorite wrestler of all time, 
my favorite superstar, everything about him I love. The rated R superstar, Edge. My absolute favorite. And the funny part about Edge is I didn't like him when I first when I first saw him on TV. I hated him because he was such a good bad guy. He did his job so well. Yes. But over the years I came around to him and you know, it was really sad when he retired in 2011. So you can imagine how I felt when he returned um, in January. Oh, oh my God. I I literally, so I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. I was watching it on my phone because I can't get the network on my TV. And when I saw that, I literally went like, oh, shit. He, no, 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 no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is, like, I literally was transported to uh, 2000 and eight when he was wrestling Undertaker in the main event. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I just can't. smoke cleared and he came out. What? Oh. I, I lost my, I lost my shit, bro. It Hell, was he insane. lost his shit. <laughs> yeah. You saw a look in his eyes. It was just, just the pure emotion in his eyes. He was so happy to be back. He just looked like he was getting ready to cry. It was just pure joy. Yeah, he was, he was like, okay, but, suck it in, suck it in. So Edge is your <laughs> Okay. Yes, he's the captain. Well, and he, he's the biggest brains, you know. He, they could they don't call him the uh, the ultimate opportunist for no reason, right? You know, very very good money in the bank. Um, always got his way. Figured out a way to win titles, get things done. I want that man on my team. Okay. So next, next I have Roman Reigns. Um, he would account for the brawn, not just the brawn, but he's a, he's also a very smart worker. Um, I like what he's done in the ring. I think he was unfairly treated by the fans in 2015 after he won the Royal Rumble. Mm. Um, I understand the Dan O'Brien concern. I maybe maybe it was he maybe he's getting pushed a little bit too hard at the time. But I don't I don't think that much hate that he got cuz they, they even booed the Rock. That's how much they hated Reigns. They even booed the Rock when he came out to help him. And there was nothing you could do. It was a Philadelphia crowd and they just carried the energy over. Of but I mean Philadelphia in, intense fans. But Roman he's really yeah, exactly. He's really developed over these past few years, and if you're watching him right now on TV, he's the best thing in SmackDown. Oh, he's he, he, the best thing to happen in 2020 for Roman Reigns was him pulling out of that WrestleMania match with Goldberg and take time because a of his uh, he's immunocompromised because of his leukemia, but also he he is having twin uh, girls born. Yep. So. You know, he needed that time away. And the one thing I've learned in this in watching this business is the longer someone is away, the more that you don't think you missed them. But then when they come back, like, oh my God, I miss seeing you. It, it's it's what they did wrong with the CM Punk thing in 2011. They kept them off yeah. for eight days. It's not nearly enough time. But... Roman, um, very powerful guy. He can do a lot more at his size than what others could do. Um, I trust him. I trust him in the ring. Maybe he could be a co-captain if he wanted to be, but Edge has got to get the higher spot. Yeah, you know, just for personal bias. So next, I have Undertaker. I mean, it's impossible to not put him on the list. I think he's just one of the forefathers. And um, enough, we've already talked about him enough. But you know, um, really come to fruition and really enjoyed his work. Um, my favorite match with him was probably the WrestleMania 26, the rematch against my against Michaels. 
Really? WrestleMania 25 was, be- I think it was better, but I think I enjoyed the story more in- for 26. I think that's what really grabbed my gears there, and he really took it off well. Um, and he's just non- he was just an unstoppable force for so long, and it's just impossible to put him on there. So there's, there's so there's some more of the brawn. And we go to, I'm going to transition over to the heart, um, John Cena. Um, that dude, he formed, along with Edge, he formed my uh, extended love of pro wrestling. Um, he's, I think around this time he started to do more media appearances. He's appearing all over television. I remember I was watching, he was on the Disney Channel at some point. He's on Nickelodeon. He was all over the place. Like, dude, dad, this right. Yeah, Fred's dad. Oh, the Fred movies were terrible. Oh. John was so funny. Um, but yeah, um, he was a guy that I saw every week on Raw. I was like, wow, yeah, I, I like this guy. I really like what he's doing. I like what he's standing for. Never give up. Hustle, loyalty, respect. Uh, so there's some childhood bias there, but he's also a really, really strong guy, if you haven't heard. And, you know, sometimes you just can't see him. And uh, that'll give him an, an edge over the opponents uh, in the Star Series match. So got to put him on. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> in the fifth spot, mm, uh, lots of thinking, but um, need a little bit more brains, a little more maniacal of a man. So why not Chris Jericho? Ooh. Probably one of the best to ever do it inside the ring. That goes for any company. I agree. Absolutely. This dude, dude's on fire no matter what company he goes to. And he's doing some good work in AEW right now. Really wish, <laughs> really wish um, they gave him more in his latter run of WWE, but he's he's on fire in AEW. First of all, this the dude got a list over. A list. A he got a piece of paper. Over. A piece of paper. And a clipboard. Over. And uh, how we were talking about the Undertaker and him. Uh, like being a chameleon and really just adapting. Chris Jericho is basically, uh, if there's a 1A in Undertaker, Chris Jericho is 1B. Because Chris Jericho, if you go all the way back to his time in WCW when he became a chicken shit heel in 98, uh, one of the best promos on Nitro and I challenge anyone to go on the WWE Network and find it. He was feuding with Dean Malenko and he comes out with the Malenko is the man of a thousand holds. So he comes out as the man of a thousand and four holds and he has the list of all the holds and every third I uh, hold arm bar the way he says it. So he, he rattled off three. They went to commercial he literally talks shit about the entire town, their sports teams. So that way, when they came back on camera, he's on number 821, and they're, like, booing the shit out of him. Like, he's been reading off the entire list the entire time. That was the start of his chameleon run. And then every time it looked like he was getting stale, add a layer. Add a layer. So I, I love that choice. But if you have a number six... Your alternate, who would it be? Uh, well, I'd say Bray Wyatt, uh, mainly because um, he's smart, he knows how to work in the ring, and he 
um, goes through some character changes. Yes. And him, Husky. especially this year. Yeah, Husky. Oh well, you know, you you want to you want to step away from Husky, but um, yeah, yeah I, you know, you got the <laughs> you got the early Bray Wyatt with the fedora and the rocking chair and the early Wyatt family. Really good stuff. Um, I, I like how this year, especially that he really just. Um, with his lantern, if you see the Fiend's lantern, it's his old self from before he turned into that creepy, creepy Firefly Funhouse slash the Fiend self. Yeah. Just his head, shut eyes, just the lantern, yeah, showing when, that he's killing that part. When, when I saw it at SummerSlam in 2019 against uh, Finn Balor, like, literally, I want to go, whoa. Like, that's different. Um, right, it's like it was like it was a severed head. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like a severed head, but it wasn't. And um, you know, he's just done some great work, and he would definitely be an alternate. And I've always enjoyed him on TV. I, I feel a little bit like, like sad now because I watched like what was it last Monday, and then like the last last, and then this one I've been watching, and the feud with Randy Orton just uh, there's like no I don't feel hyped up for it. No, I don't either. Like, yeah, like sitting there watching it, it's like goofy, almost. Like, okay, yeah, the Firefly Funhouse thing's awesome and all, but it's sort of just weird. And then you know, you know it's a puppet, and you know there's some dude's hand under there controlling it. And yeah. uh, as much as they try, like Randy Orton is is not Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt just don't have a good chemistry. Well, they're I'll... probably both really good, you know, together, but their just chemistry is just off. I I agree. So. I mean, at least they're trying to bring it like all their history together. So I mean, at least they're trying yeah. to do that. But I mean, it seems forced. And the one thing I've noticed, and I think this has been documented on you know several interviews or several people, is that like when Randy Orton is invested in a story, you get the absolute best. I will be interested to see this match. Because if it's on par with any of his other matches with Drew uh, McIntyre and Edge this past year, then he's into the storyline. If it's more by the numbers, then you know he doesn't give two shits about it. Right. And he's just there. Yeah, we're gonna see. Yeah, he's just there to pick up the pace. I like, Yeah, I like that. I like that they're including the history, though. I think it's important. I would because... like to bring up the fact that since like John Cena's not, you know. That he'll he'll make maybe an appearance if he ever does, you know. Probably after COVID sort of has been over. Because I don't know if they want to add, you know, big people in yet because of this. But I feel like, you know, it's in terms of veterans, veterans in the WWE, uh, we had for a while, like, John Cena was, like, the guy. Um, and he was sort of, like, we knew, like, his, after Undertaker's always been there. But John Cena's sort of, like, second in command to that of, like, in terms of, like this guy is a future hall. I feel like Randy Orton should be that, but I don't feel like they're pushing for him to sort of be like that. Where he's sort of the the face of the old of WWE. Yeah, well, I I think they did because when he came out when he won the title at Hell in a Cell in a horrible decision, in my opinion, uh, yeah. he came out basically said, "I'm not the Legend Killer anymore. I'm the Legend." So. Now that storyline with Drew going into Summer um, SummerSlam was great. They should have stopped. They maybe have one more match, and then that's it. 
they kept it dragging out. And that's that's the problem with WWE today is, um, let's see, how many times did Apollo Crews and Bobby Lashley fight in over the summer? Um, oh, exactly. so much pain. Exactly. Oh. So that's because they don't create new stars. So uh, let me. So my Survivor Series team. Hmm. So my team captain. I'm gonna go, Mister Perfect Kurt Henning. What a guy! What a choice! I mean, come on. You got you, you. You want perfection? I mean, very true. He he's he's the perfect captain, and not only that, um, someone that should have gotten a run with the WWF title should have. One hundred percent agree. He 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 would he would have drawn money because everyone like that reaction when Bret Hart beat him for the Intercontinental Title in Madison Square Garden was epic. So, well, I mean, Madison Square Garden, if you make it there, you make it anywhere. So, uh, Mr. Perfect as my captain. Obviously, I got to have The Undertaker. Um, we've all said why we have The Undertaker. So, yep. Uh, I guess now we'll just decide uh, which incarnation of The Undertaker we're going to put on our team. <laughs> I guess that's all we can do. You know what? I'm going to put the American Badass on mine. So, I'll, I'll let you guys fight over the. You know, uh, so Undertaker, um, he's definitely um, Steve Austin is is I would put him on the team. He literally, um, you could tell that he had greatness just looking back at videos of him in WCW, and that time he had an ECW before he came to WWF. Like you knew something was there. Uh, and how WCW let him go is, is beyond me, but that's that's a story for another. Uh, we might ask that question. <laughs> um, so Steve Austin, uh, hmm. I'm gonna have to say Chris Jericho because once again, you know, the the guy is literally the goat right now. Um, he is um, one of the best. In the, in, in the world right now. I mean, that's not a catchphrase. And, I mean, because we got to have the best team ever. So you have Mr. Perfect, Undertaker, Steve Austin, um, Chris CM Punk. You know what? I like it. It's a wild card, but I like it. Exactly. I like it a lot. Now, my... Um, alternate. Hmm. I mean, I could pick so many, but I think I'm gonna go with Rick Rude. Wow. Another one that, like, when he walked into an arena and he told all those fat, sweaty hogs to shut up while he took off his robe. He had, uh, he was the epitome of all the guys hate me. All the girls want to take me backstage. And the guys probably Big wouldn't, time. and the guys probably wouldn't care if they did. But in the ring, though, the guy was a worker. Like, just like his matches with, um, 
Randy, uh, Randy Savage, um, Steve Austin, Ricky Steamboat. Um, it's just, you know, classic. Unfortunately, he got his neck injury that made him retire. And to this day, he is the only person to appear on a uh, major network, on two, two major networks at the same time or on, on the same day. When he appeared at a tape raw, but Nitro was live. Right. He had a beard oh, on great. Raw. He was clean shaven on Nitro. Like that was insane. So I, I, I think we'll transition into who do you think is the person who should have gotten a world title run that never did? I mean, we've we've mentioned quite a few of them already. Well, Dolph Ziggler really not got a proper title run because yeah, his his first one was twenty was not even two hours, and the second one was really injury prone. Uh, talk about Rick Rude and. Uh, uh, Kurt Henning. So, any thoughts on that? If we did this podcast two years ago, hmm. I would say Kofi Kingston. I think I think he should have won it back in 2010. Um, I think he was planned to win Money in the Bank that year at WrestleMania 26. We didn't, but now I think he got a fair run. So I think. And you already listed Mr. Perfect, but yeah, right. Um, but I think the I think the one that really, really should have gotten a good run was the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Ooh. You know what? <laughs> I wish I could do that evil laugh. It's just so great. But um, you know, he bought the title off Andre, right? He bought the title off Andre. That, that, and then they just took it away. So that was his only like experience with it. But he should have gotten a little time. That dude is probably the he said the he set the epitome of what a real bad guy should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the look. He was rich. He was snobby. He made random people do absolutely humiliating things for money. I think it was just a hundred dollars every week, right? Including a very young Rob Van Dam. Right. Yeah, I saw something about that. I oh, I don't know what it was, but. It was, uh, um, I, I think his was like a basketball, and he just like kicked it. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah, had a dribble, yeah. had a dribble like twenty times, and then once he got, like, once got number eighteen, he just kicked the ball out. Oh yeah, that's right. And I mean, I think the fact that he just had so much money pissed off everybody because mm. they're like, "Wow, why can't I be like him?" I mean, he he stayed relevant for as long as he could in the WWF at the time, and. Um, I think his character is really, really underappreciated. Yes. And he should have gotten a world title run. Yeah. He he had a great run with the Million Dollar Corporation and also as the um, original, quote-unquote, benefactor of the NWO. He was brought in that. Right. He, they, they couldn't call him the Million Dollar Man, so they just called him. He was the uh, money man of the NWO. So, yeah, he, he definitely should have. Bennett's over there thinking long and hard. I think I see yeah. smoke coming out of his head. Here's my problem: is um, 
number one, I completely forgot about Rob Van Dam up to that. So he said his name. I'm like, he was so cool. And so number one, if I had to change, my alternate would be Rob Van Dam, not Mankind, uh, because um, oh, that dude. But um, I, I could go with Dolph Ziggler here, but he already had one, and there's so many that have had it, but they really didn't, and they never held it for more than like a couple, you know, minutes. It felt like, uh, and they were never there when they had it. It really wasn't for any length of time, or didn't really have a plot on why they had it. Um, and someone who I think would have probably stayed if they changed the storyline and, and stayed around the, the WWE longer and been excited to do it instead of you know where he is now which is still pretty good but that's um, Dean Ambrose John Moxley if he had gotten that championship and they had actually done something with it instead of having him you know give it back to Seth Rollins and have that continue when um, and really just mess up his entire gimmick and what he was doing I feel like that would have kept him around the WWE and I, I, I like um, Moxley a lot um, and I thought he was the best of the three of the Shield um, personally just because um, he was just sort of out there he was the weird one the wild card um, uh, and, and if he had had that championship um, and they had actually done something with it I think that could have really pushed him to new limits so you know what they did I, I think what they should have done is when they broke up the Shield it should have been I know they were kind of teasing it was to be Dean, but they should have pulled a trigger on it. They should have had Dean um, turn on Seth and uh, Roman. But at the at the same time, he can't be. Uh, you know, he's only using the authority to get the title, and but then he just doesn't give two shits. He he doesn't care about the Shield. He doesn't care about the authority. He's only there to win matches and get. Well, and here's the problem. Of the three, Dean got pushed the least. They pushed Roman Reigns to be Superman to oh. Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor, yeah. Seth Rollins. They pushed him to be them to be equals, but then they left Dean Ambrose to be, or yeah, him to be, you know, sort of the dude who jokes around and, and attacks Seth Rollins all the time. And I feel like yeah. they should have done is just completely, you know, they turn back. They have a couple matches against Seth Rollins. They move Ambrose to face someone else go after some more championships instead of sticking around and having those three all fighting all the time. Because oh. that just got, um, uh, honestly, it got boring and it, it got repetitive. And what, I feel like it would have spiced up if they put him up against a lot more different people. I think I think what they should have done is that they should have, like I said, first of all, they should have had Gene Ambrose do the turning. And then after maybe a couple interactions, don't have them around each other. Yeah. But you know, maybe maybe have um, Seth go after him one time. He beats him. Uh, have Roman go after him one time. He beats him, buddy. But it puts in the stipulation that uh, if I beat you, and you can't, um, you, know, you, you can't come after me. But right. unfortunately, in his wisdom, he forgets to put the stipulation in there that includes if he wins the WWE title, he wins the WWE title. Then you have either Roman or Seth win money and um, have one of them win money in the bank. Well, actually, no, no, have neither one of them. So you have main event of WrestleMania 31. Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, 
Dean Ambrose is the clear bad guy. Roman is more of a tweener. He's just a badass. Seth is the high-flying good guy. And then they put the stipulation is only time ever. Whoever loses the fall cannot uh, cannot challenge for the WWE title for one year. That way you, you separate them. Honestly, that would just reset the whole WWE. Exactly. Um, it makes it worse so easily. The only other person I would think that deserves a title shot or deserved one, um, uh, Ryback, but that's just because, I mean, they made him a human wrecking machine and then they, you know, didn't do much with him. He sort of set mid-card for his entire career. Um, and it's no wonder why they let him go. And I also heard he was pretty, you know, uh, unsafe to work with, I guess, sometimes. Punk could tell you plenty of stories about that. Um, but uh, the, the dude was just huge. And uh, I feel like they were getting smaller because the big show was showing up less. Uh, so they were getting smaller but bigger, like they are now. Um, and so if they had just pushed him a little bit more and maybe given, try to make him more than just a meathead. Um, right. I think his career would have been a lot better. And I think he probably would have been able to defend that title a lot. So he's going to win that title would have been a that year's hell in a cell. Yeah. Um, 2012. But to be honest with you, I mean, I'd rather have seen a punk for 434 day reign than a hundred day right back reign. Yeah. yeah. I agree. In that time. What, what, they, what they should have done is they should have had like the main event. If they wanted uh, the rock and John Cena to wrestle for the title. Guess what? Have one of them take it off CM Punk. At WrestleMania, in the main event. So you know what? Even though CM Punk lost, I may have been at WrestleMania. I think if that had happened, the walkout would have not happened. We would not have yeah. WrestleMania, and things might be different. A triple threat match between those three might have been what what they needed if they were going to do anything. Oh, they they the, New York would have basically just blown up. Um, yeah, I would have taken it over. Um, you know, after uh, once in a lifetime to twice in a lifetime, would have taken that triple threat over twice in a lifetime any that, day. Of the week. Is... I don't care how good the punk match with Undertaker was. Yeah. Twice in a lifetime was. You could have put Undertaker in there and had a fatal four way for the championship. It still would that that would have been insane. That would have been better than twice in a lifetime. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I have posters in my room. The other side, um, I have Cena versus The Rock, um, for WrestleMania 28. Once in a lifetime, the the tagline. Every time I look at, it, I just look and I just you say, "You guys were liars." Yes, I agree. Ooh. You know, um, I want to say, well, I mean, he had runs in WCW. I was going to say Vader. He should have had a run in the WWF, with the WWF title, but um, I think one person that they really Actually, it really could be two. So I think my first person is Owen Hart. Owen Hart should have gotten an opportunity to truly challenge for the title. Should have had one run with it. Like his his cage match with Bret Hart at SummerSlam uh, 1994 was match of the year. Like it was 
one of the last, uh, uh, it was a five-star match from David Meltzer, the next one being the Hell in a Cell in, uh, no, I'm sorry, um, Bret Hart and Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13. So, and he had the fan support, and after Montreal would have been perfect because you don't have, you're out of the shadow of Brett, you're out of the shadow of the Bulldog. I mean, the Bulldog could have had, should have had a run too, honestly. He yeah. had multiple opportunities. He had more opportunities than Owen Hart, but he, they never pulled a trigger. But I, I think another one who, if Demons didn't really get him, if he was focused on it, Scott Hall. I mean, the guy oozed charisma. I mean, you walk out and go, hey, yo. And you have 20,000 people basically going apeshit crazy. Uh, They would have bought him. Um, I I think what they should have done was maybe in 98 when Kevin Nash won it. I know they were trying... They were planning on they, the finger poker doom so that way they can set up a huge faction and Goldberg uh, spear all of them to win the title back. But he got injured. But I think what they should have done was they should have Kevin Nash keep it, have Scott Hall kind of be like um, the helper, like help him win matches. But Kevin would never thank him for it. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's here. Bitch, I'll just help you retain that title. So you get that turn and you get the first real proper Kevin Nash-Scott Hall match in WCW. Hall pins Nash for the title. I mean, that, that would have been good. Uh, 90, 98 would not have been a good year because, you know, they just put on Sting, and that's another. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a clusterfuck? Like, that was insane. Um, Trying to think. So, I know we've talked about singles, but tag teams. If you had to pick two tag teams, you would consider the best of all time. Who'd you go with? Now, this time, I'll start. Go ahead. Number one, Road Warriors. Yep. Uh, AWA, WCW, WWF Tag Team Champions. They are the only team to truly win uh, the, the titles in three separate organizations. Um, I mean, the Dudleys did it, but I would say oh, they're the first. Uh, I really don't count the WCW reigns as a separate because they were under WWF control. Um, and as much, but I mean, I, I, as much as I want to put the Dudley boys up there, um, I'm going to go with I'm going to say the New Day because the New Day has really revolutionized tag team wrestling, tag teams in WWE and unfortunately they haven't done much with it but you know 
they have on, they have honestly proved themselves to be one of the greatest tag teams of all time in, in my humble opinion. So yeah, absolutely. If they weren't there in 2015, with that weekend tag division, I don't I don't know how they would have had titles or jobs. I mean, yeah, pretty much true. They had to get all three of those guys a different character. They were all struggling, so why not just put them together? Create a group that lasted and created memories for a lifetime. Well, not a lifetime, but six years. I think it's pretty good. Well, that's six a years lifetime in good, wrestling. So. Right. They're still technically a tag team, even though, you know, Biggie's on the yeah. Which I don't know. I, I see why they did that, but at the same time, like, come on. Yeah. Keep them together. They're always so much fun. And honestly, the only problem was I, I get that Biggie's never tag team champion. He's always that third wheel. But at the same time, there's not much you could really do with that. Right. Um, Alright. He's got charisma. So, yeah, but I mean, singles action, he's, he's just sort of like, unless he has someone else there to hype him up, he's just sort of like, oh yeah, uh-huh, you're just crazy. Okay, yeah. Got it. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, that's, I need some time. that singles run he had with the IC title, I mean, creative uh, wasn't behind him, so I'm hoping now that they're actually behind him. Yeah. All right, so we want to stop right there. We want to save the rest of the content for next week. But before we stop this episode, we have to talk about the final four, baby. If I could play Final Countdown, I would, but I can't because, you know, rights and stuff. But anyway, let's look at... The NCAA tournament, both the men's and the women's, we got to give the women's tournament some love because, you know, actually, we will start with their tournament first. Now, this, the Alamo Regional, the only upsets it really had was Oregon defeating Georgia in the second round. That was really like the only like, major upset going into the Sweet 16. Uh, Stanford defeated Missouri State. Louisville defeated Oregon. And Stanford defeated Louisville 78-63 to return to the Final Four. Now, in the Hemsfair Regional, same thing. If I can get the phone to work. We actually had... There was no upsets in the first round. Uh, Georgia Tech defeated West Virginia in the second and Texas defeated UCLA. So those are like the little minor upsets. This ain't the men's tournament where you had a 15 seed in the regional semifinals. South Carolina defeated Georgia Tech 76 to 65 and Texas upset Maryland 64 to 61. And then South Carolina destroyed Texas 62 to 34 to make its Final Four appearance. Now let's go to the Riverwalk where once again we have one and five, six and two. Uh, there was really no the teams that produced major upsets and actually there was none. I'm sorry I was looking ahead. Uh, UConn defeated Iowa 92 to 72. 
Uh, Baylor barely defeated Michigan 78-75. And UConn defeated Baylor 69-67. Baylor should have won that game. Uh, The last second play where UConn fouled a Baylor player. I, I don't have the names in front of me. But they didn't call it. They didn't call it. UConn won that game. And let me let me just make this quick little thing about um, the Baylor coach. She literally, uh, Kim Malarkey, she literally went in her press conference and said that the NCAA should basically, from this point on, stop all COVID testing at the NC uh, at the in both Final Fours and just let the players play. Well. For someone who apparently is um, fans of the previous administration, let me um, let this um, sink into you. Your team was playing in a bubble because we're in a global pandemic. So, until we're not in a global pandemic, if you want to play, you are going to have to get tested. Period. End of story. Apparently, this is not the first time she's caused controversy. I might do a show on that one time. But anyway, let's go to Merceda Regional. This is where you had you had NC State and Texas A&M. NC State was my pick to win the tournament. Yeah. They lost to Indiana. And Tech, Arizona destroyed Texas A&M. Arizona then went on to beat Indiana. So, your final four in the women's is Stanford versus South Carolina and UConn versus, in its first appearance, Arizona. Yeah, Arizona's probably going to get destroyed. I would love it immensely. I'm I'm rooting for Arizona. I lived there for a year and a half as a kid in the Tucson area. I want... I want Arizona to win this. I know I live in South Carolina now. I should be rooting for the Gamecocks. Nope. You have three number one seeds and a three seed that's never been there. I'm rooting for Arizona. I want them to win it. And if they win it, oh, this is going to be so great. Denying Gino Arnama his, uh, I don't know how many titles, is always a good thing. Now let's go to the men's. And first and foremost... Three of the five people in our um, ESPN Tournament Challenge group are now officially out. They cannot get no more points. That includes our guests on the show, Matt and Bennett. Sorry, guys. And Mike. So, right now, barring anything crazy, I will win this tournament in the panel. But, let's, let's digress. Let's go into... The Sweet 16. In the West Regional, Gonzaga destroyed Creighton and USC destroyed Oregon. In the East, Michigan destroyed Florida State. It was my pick to be the uh, uh, national runner-up. And UCLA upset number two Alabama. I actually had Texas beating Alabama, but yeah, it is what it is. 
Uh, Baylor defeated Villanova 62-51. to Oh, the Arkansas Oral Roberts game was... Mm. I feel bad for those Oral Roberts guys. They, they could have won it. They could have won it. They just didn't close out the game. Oregon State upset Loyola Chicago and Houston. Um, Buddy Buckets, well, he uh, he got told to sit down and shut up. So let's go to the West, the Elite Eight in the West. Gonzaga destroyed USC. UCLA, the 11th seed who had to play in the first four, defeated Michigan by two. They will now take on the number one seed. Gonzaga Bulldogs in a Southwest Conference rematch from back in the day. Baylor defeated Arkansas and then Houston defeated Oregon State 67 to 61 to set up another former Southwest Conference matchup Baylor versus Houston. My two teams that I had picked in the finals are still there, so it's going to be Gonzaga and Houston winning, with Gonzaga defeating Houston to win the national title. It will not surprise me if Mark Few wins, gets this national title. If he goes, I'm retiring. <laughs> but it is what it is. We'll see what happens. Uh... I think other than that, I will thank everyone for listening to the show, and we will be on next week. We'll talk about the national champions in both sports, and we also have the finale of our WrestleMania trilogy. For the Blind Tag Podcast, my name is Kyle Nashheim. And I will see you next week.